Good morning. It is 5.35 a.m. Monday, December 18th, I believe. Yes, it's the 18th. Um, yeah, it's a little early, but you know what? I just couldn't sleep anymore. Uh, sometimes that happens when I have a lot of things to do. I start thinking about what I have to accomplish for the day, and I'm like, fuck it, I should just start my day. Um, and and uh, today was one of those days. So, um, one thing I, you know, I already accomplished something. I, I canceled a date, and early morning is a perfect time to do that, because they're asleep. And um, by the time they get around to responding, I've already blocked them. So they can't, you know, um, I mean, they can respond, but I won't receive it. And um, they're back into the ethers they go. I just, the person tried to upgrade the date to drinks, and I just wanted to have coffee. Um, 25 minutes is about what I was able to give them, and I was on the fence about that. So, um, yeah, there were some insidious maneuvers already um also they said a couple things that let me know they were burning man adjacent so that doesn't sit well with me my time is precious oh my god it's so precious to me i really value it so if i'm going to have drinks with you i already like you okay that's the new rule Actually, it's been that, but I've betrayed myself a few times on that. Anyway, oh my gosh, it has been an insanely busy week. It's been action-packed, a, a lot of positivity, um, great food. Oh my god, I have been eating up a storm. I'm <clears throat> part of me trying to listen to my body and. My body's telling me just to have spinach and water today, probably for the next seven days. Ugh. <laughs> but yeah, still craving spinach. Um, I went over to April's house and spent the night a few nights ago. We watched Christmas movies, It's a Wonderful Life, and Love Actually, which I had actually never seen before. And it was actually good. <laughs> Um, she is a really amazing Texas woman, uh, one of my dearest friends. We've, we've been friends for more than half our lives together, and um, I'm very glad she's in the Bay Area, and she made me her delicious pozole soup uh, and homemade corn tortillas. She just started in on making those, and they have this perfect toothsome chewiness to them the broth was off the chain uh april's not big on the spices you know um but the the flavors that she puts together are very clean and um they really come through and she really lets the ingredients speak for themselves so yes we had a, a, a really delicious meal together and um yeah it was just great to be in her presence I got some wonderful comments and um, messages from different people about the podcast, and I want to say thank you so much. 
That means so much to me. Thank you. I, I love you guys. Um, I do. And um, in the dream world, it was a it was a funny amalgamation of dreams, uh, mostly merchandising related. Um, I had a recurring dream where I was merchandising jewelry cases. And I think because I have spent much time of my life merchandising jewelry cases, and it's something I love doing. Now, maybe some people who've worked with me would probably think I don't, like that maybe I don't do a good job, but you know, they're entitled to their opinion. Um, and I do get a lot of mental relaxation and satisfaction from merchandising jewelry. I do. And my own jewelry cases, I will <clears throat> occasionally just re-merch them just for fun. Um, so yeah, sometimes like, I, so there was, those were all very pleasant dreams. There, there must be something that, act, that activates my, my unconscious like strategy center or something. And, and it just kind of bled into my dream world. So that was all really great. Um, so yeah, kind of neutral zone dreams. I did prevent myself though from having a nightmare on, oh, what night was it? Tuesday night. Um, I went to go see Vox Lux, which the movie is getting dragged to filth by the critics. People are misunderstanding that film. Um, to me, it has a a feeling of like a, a John Cassavetes film, uh, reminds me of women on the verge, you know, of, you know, the breakdown. And, um, it also reminds me of a very campy movie I love called the apple. Um, which if you haven't seen the apple, go see it, find a way, get someone in the neighborhood or something who has it on Blu-ray. We all know who this is, Gabriel. Um, so, if you know Gabriel, please ask if you can watch the movie with him. Um, it's very, very good. But um, this this film is about a basically an innocent school school girl who um, rises to fame, and I, I can't really say anything more because I I really feel people should see this movie. It's so much better than the current incarnation of A Star Is Born, which I thought was just crap except for Lady Gaga who's great but the new Star is Born is garbage it's 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 a reflection of everything that is wrong with our society and with our culture it's which is in a it's in a state of decline um so that movie is horrible this Vox Lux is adorable and good um adorable actually it's not adorable it's it's a sinister there's a sinister edge to the film um that it it never that it like holds on to and and um does not let does not um let the audience out of its grasp um and so much so that when I got home I had to stay awake for another hour um so because I had a feeling that I was going to have a, a dream about demons and um and Satan which um you know, I was raised in a very religious background and I can sense when I'm going to have those type of dreams and they're very terrifying. So yeah, the, the movie uh, had an effect on me. I liked it. Uh, I went to two parties yesterday. Um, both had, oh my gosh, uh, the first party I stayed for 
like exactly 45 minutes, but it, it was, it was lovely. It was at Vicky's house on Duncan street. Um, one moment. It was at Vicky's house on Duncan street. Um, or the, the surrounding area. And, uh, it had a large vat made by Tracy of her delicious spinach dip. And it was the best pot yet of spinach dip. Um, it was, in, it was served in this, this miniature stock pot. Um, so, and it was nice and cold. She chilled the dip beforehand. And so the pot had, you know, just that, that cold chilled condensation kind of on, on it and the consistency and the texture. Oh, it was so good. And I, I've, I've had this dip so many times over the years. This is her, her best batch yet. Uh, Tracy really outdid herself. Um, and I think I know, I finally figured out what the ingredients are. Um, I believe that she starts out with mixing sour, two parts sour cream, one part mayo together. She drains a package of chopped frozen spinach, dries it really good, sets it aside, whips the mayo and sour cream together, adds some chopped cream cheese and whips that together till the, con the consistency is really, really good. Then she slowly adds the dried, you know, the drained spinach, drained frozen spinach, slowly adds that together and adds probably a little tiny bit of paprika. And it has the best texture. I know that's probably what she does. I, I dare not ask her, you know, you don't ask a magician their tricks. You can only speculate. And that is my speculation. Um, and it was served with with chunks of of rye bread, and it was delicious. Vicky made her tortilla, which is is kind of it's better than quiche. So it's another simple dish that has uh, you know potatoes and scrambled eggs and whatnot. She served it with a truffle aioli. So uh, the truffles uh, were quite strong; they're quite pungent, and it was delicious. It was delicious. Um, I had two jello shots and four glasses of champagne adjacent sparkling wine. Um, and then I scuttled off to the next party. I was wearing a skin tight black velvet cat suit and some little boots. And you know what? It was one of those nights when I looked good. I looked good. And um, yeah. So that, that felt good to know I looked good. Um, went to the second party on Polk Street, uh, up in the upper, upper Knob Hill zone at Talon's house. Uh, the, it was lovely. It was a small, it was more of a gathering feel to it. Um, I thought it was going to be a dinner party. It was not a dinner party. It was a cheese party. Um, which was fine. I was right near the cheese board. Uh, all the cheeses were runny and soft. Uh, there were two washed rind cheeses. There was one blue cheese, uh, kind of like a like a very soft blue cheese. Uh, there was a, I believe, a triple cream brie 
and there was also a Cotswold there. Um, and then in the middle was a pot of Metwurst, which I love Metwurst. It's that spreadable German chorizo styled meat candy. And it was so good. It was so good. Um, I am terrified of getting gout. That's how good it was. I am terrified of gout. Uh, one of my aunts, my Aunt Yvonne has it. And well, you know, I don't want it. I don't want to have it. It's painful. Um, I've got a lot of things to accomplish. So gout is going to get in my way. Um, that said, <laughs> I stayed at the gathering for 3.5 hours. Uh, Rose was there. And there were two ballet dancers that showed up. Uh, one was wearing, I, I looked like they still had their toy soldier makeup on and it was, and it was impeccable, um, by the light of, of the Christmas tree, which was a perfectly symmetrical Christmas tree. Talon was a fabulous host, uh, just, just a delightful, um, just a delightful person. I'm getting to know them, um, and I'm really enjoying, uh, each time I spend with them. Uh, there was a, a beautiful, Latin woman named Isabella there who has a boutique on Polk, Polk Street and um, I told her that I wanted to have lunch with her sometime and, and uh, I think we had some things in common. Uh, we just ran out of time and I'd like to get to know her. So that's really great, making new friends and, and just gorging myself on delicious foods. I had a lot of champagne there. I don't remember how many glasses I had. Um, but I think the champagne might've been part of what kept me up. I got home around 11 PM. So yeah, that's, that's a lot, huh? That's a, that's busy. And, and I'm not even getting into my craft projects there. So, uh, yeah, that's, I'm not even talking about that right now. I do want to pick up a little bit where I left off about Abe Roof and handsome Jean Schmitz, the mayor and the union boss at the time of the San Francisco earthquake and fire. Okay, um, this, this episode is going to focus primarily on, on the aftermath of the earthquake. Uh, oh my God. Oh my God. I, you know, the people of San Francisco have been through so much just are, you know, the people that stay and the people that live through this. Oh my God. My heart just goes out to them. One of the, one of the things that was noted was, oh, how plucky they are. And, and wow, they, no one's screaming and crying. Everyone's going about their business. Everyone's, you know, lending a hand. Everyone seems to be happy. You know why? Because they're in shock. Because this is such a traumatic experience for them. If you can imagine the way the way that they handled this this particular disaster was so shoddy and had had the a lot of um, greed. Greed was what was fueling uh, the people who were supposed to have a civic duty to help uh, the San Franciscans. Um, so that they got uh, they got the bum rap, and 
and the the greed the greed was led by the committee of fitty <laughs> as i like to call it which was uh headed by um reigning goober uh pretty jean schmitz the mayor who he oh my gosh he's delusional he's a delusional pig uh he thought that he was well on his way to becoming governor because of this and that this made him rise to greatness okay that he had incredible intellectual prowess and that he was a great thinker but he was really just a great stinker because everything was focused on protecting the better interests of the rich okay so yeah there no one no one that wasn't rich was protected or safe um there was also an informal martial law and that that was the the love child of the shoot to kill policy that was enacted wherein if you see a looter to shoot and kill them okay on site and that was originally in the domain of law enforcement and you know even members of the fire department but civilians were doing it too and there were a lot of trigger happy civilians um people shoot shoot to kill a looter what if you yourself are a competing looter sometimes places needed to be looted uh to you know it was coming down to survival um there was no water there was no water to fight this fire with and people were looting bars for beer they would take beer and they would slather it they would just douse a rag in beer and throw the the beard up sopping rag onto the the flaming area it, it was a it was a time of hell I, I feel like hell came to earth in this time in san francisco I, there the streets were so unsafe it, it was beyond like people were in tents and encampments no one was allowed anyone who had a home still they were not allowed to cook in their homes. so everyone was cooking out in open fires more fires on the streets everywhere um and abe roof actually you know not to miss out an opportunity to collect a fee was charging people inspection fees for their chimneys and an inspection fee uh for their for their stoves and then and a final fee to kind of like an approval fee so once you got your approval then it was another five dollars so he was he was exacting fees from little people too quote little people um so that was happening reconstruction took many months it was an arduous process chinatown was in shambles the chinatown that we know now all happened after the earthquake um the chinatown back then was like a ghetto it was 
it was very, very impacted upon. It had no tourist value, let's put it that way. Um, and Eugene Schmitz wanted to use the earthquake and fire as an opportunity to do away with the Chinese community in San Francisco. He's an just what a bastard, what a bastard. You know, these people helped build your railroad. They weren't allowed to have their wives come to them for years, for years. They were not allowed to have the women in their life be with them. They had to leave them behind. They were not allowed to have wives. They were not allowed to have women in their lives. You know, they, it, it, that that's cruel. That's really cruel. If you need a woman, the world needs women. You can't just take people's women away like that. Um, so he was using the earthquake as an opportunity for permanent displacement, and his goal was to send them all back to China, um, which was an awful and stupid plan because there were, you know, thousands and thousands of Chinese people, and, you know, his... Gene's head was literally so far up his ass he could say hello to his tonsils. I mean, he was an idiot. Um, and, and just so puffed up and arrogant. He had no idea of how to execute his stupid plan. And that is how the Chinese were able to stay. Because um, there were community leaders within within uh, the Chinese populace, in particular, Luk Tin Ely, uh, founder of the Bank of Canton, uh, took it upon himself to kind of create a a jewel of a an idyllic Chinese city, and he took it upon himself to to really build up Chinatown and into what we know it as today, um, and it was the saving grace of the Chinese you know, residents of San Francisco who are a, a very vital part of, of our city. Um, it's, you know, it is the Chinatown that influences all the other Chinatowns in America. Um, Gene Schmitz also stupidly railed against Japanese people as well. And you know what he said? He said that they were too good at assimilating and therefore they were even more dangerous than the Chinese. I mean, you can't win for losing with this dude, you know? Um, so even if you assimilate into American culture, that's bad too. He resents that because you do too good of a job. Um, and, and at that point, uh, Teddy Roosevelt stepped in and admonished him um, for that because he was trying to keep Japanese children out of schools. Like he, did it, he wanted to deny them a public education, which they were entitled to. Um, so yeah, surprisingly, yeah, Teddy Roosevelt uh, came down to admonish him personally, but he was also doing a little recon at this time because something didn't quite seem right. There were a lot of bribes being given and taken, and this Gene Schmitz didn't seem to have all the intellectual capacity he thought he did. He had a lot of yes men around him, uh, people that wanted his cut of his cut that he was receiving from Abe Roof. So anytime Abe Roof got like a $10,000 monthly retainer, 
he would turn over anywhere up to a half of that, 50% of that, to Gene Schmitz, okay? So it was a trickle-down effect of, you know, bottom-feeding goobers, and it was getting really suspicious. Uh, mayor Felon, the, the previous mayor, had uh, been working covertly with Teddy Roosevelt and some other men of integrity uh, to form a covert investigation into these men. And we'll, we'll get into that detail soon um, in another episode. It's, it's probably going to take a few episodes to get through this earthquake and backtrack to the Gray Brothers. Um, in the meantime, there was a man who was uh, the head of the Public Works Board, Frank Mastretti, who got the bee in his bonnet to take over union boss Abe Roof's position. And Abe Roof, if, if this is your first episode that you've listened to, Abe Roof was the most powerful man in San Francisco. I think that he's probably the most powerful man that there that ever was in San Francisco. Some people might disagree with me, but in relation to how much money he had, all the interests he owned, all the people he had by the balls, all the dirt he had on everybody, he truly was the most powerful man in San Francisco that ever lived. And this Frank Mistretti wanted to take that power away from him through the puppet prince, <laughs> Gene Schmitz. Um, he, as the earthquake started, also an earthquake started in the relationship, a, you know, a tectonic shift started between um, Abe Roof and uh, Gene Schmitz. Um, people were starting to fill Gene Schmitz up with stupid lies and he was gobbling it up one of them was that he was a gentleman they were telling him he was a gentleman which he was not a gentleman that was the first lie um the second lie was that he could become governor and (laughs) he was turned down in his bid for governor shocker he was not capable of being the governor um frank mastretti started um trying to form a secret alliance with Gene Schmitz. And he he thought that he was able to do this without, uh, <laughs> without any um, notice from Abe Roof. Um, so in the meantime, I know this podcast is running long, but I'm going to, I'm almost done. Um, in the meantime, he, uh, in September he decided to go on a European tour because he had worked so hard at mismanaging and crapping all over the citizens of San Francisco. Um, He decided to leave them when they were still quite vulnerable. Even Abe Roof was like, why are you going on this vacation? Why are you going on a vacation? The citizens need you. This, uh, this looks bad for you, you know, um, so even Abe Roof was against it. It's like, even though Schmitz was incompetent, um, 
he still needed to be there because he was the mayor and the reconstruction of San Francisco needed to be attended to. Um, and surely Abe Roof knew that he had some kind of inkling that he was under some sort of investigation. Um, and without his little cat's paw in front of him, you know, his, without his figurehead, he was a vulnerable, mean little man. Okay. And uh, so he needed that, he needed that gooberonic covering of uh, Schmitz. But that didn't stop him. That didn't stop him. He wanted to go talk to the Kaiser. He wanted to go talk to Kaiser Wilhelm about the German insurance policy payouts. Um, he, he had some big plans. He was being told that people were going to mistake him for a, a grand duke. And, you know, if he wasn't going to be a you know, the governor of California, then he was going to be a world famous celebrity, just just on personality and looks alone. He was, he was very fond of his goatee, his goatee. Actually, I can see why he kept the goatee because he was a chinless wonder. And he needed that that damn goatee. Um, I saw a picture of him without his goatee. And I was like, put that thing back on, put it back on. Um, so yeah, so he went off on his European tour. Um, with money from the Santa Fe Railroad, they paid for it. He was in a road first class the whole way. Um, and you know, his wife who was just as awful as he was like a, like a, a mean little simpleton type person, um, was somehow they got a, a hold of, the knowledge that she was had a huge list, shopping list of all the things she was going to buy for herself, um, on these on this tour, um, spending you know the city's money. It just looked really, really bad. Um, so there is this Gallagher guy who is the acting mayor, uh, while Schmitz was gone, and he was a fuddy duddy. Uh, he he didn't really. Um, you know, he was not as good of a puppet. He, he couldn't, um, he couldn't play by the rules the same way that, uh, Schmitz did. Um, and he obviously wasn't able, so basically Roof was the real mayor. And, um, within four days of, uh, Gene Schmitz being gone, Mastretti, his rival was fired. And that was great. That was that was really great. Uh, you know, it's, I kind of like Abe Roof. I know he's a bad guy, um, but I kind of like him. He's he's powerful, and to me that is hot. I you know I like power. Um, I think he's strategic. He's above the fray. Um, he's not extravagant. You know, he knows. He has a lot of foresight and all those things. Those are attractive qualities to me. Um, I'm not saying he's a good person by any stretch of the imagination, um, but but I definitely um, I admire his. He's got some major balls, you know. That's amazing. Um, so Mastretti was fired, and he refused to accept that he was fired. And he wrote. He wrote Gene Schmitz a letter explaining what happened and demanding to have this position as, you know, head of the board of uh, public health, um, or public works, excuse me. 
And uh, he never got a response from Gene Schmitz. Gene Schmitz did not care about him. Once he was on his European tour, he did not give a, you know, he did not give a crap. And um, yeah, he never got a response. And uh, Mastretti just assumed that he never received the letter or something, which is not true. He, uh, Schmitz did receive the letter, um, he, but he was a good little puppet. And he knew that if Roof fired him, then he shouldn't ever have contact with him again. He basically ghosted him. <laughs> he did a, an Edwardian version of ghosting, which I think is really cute on his part. Um, in the meantime there were during the reconstruction there were were all all sorts of brothels were popping up um, unregulated in places that uh, they shouldn't have been Um, there was a an Episcopal church on Webster Street St. Stephen's and uh, there was also a brothel that opened up right there um, right behind it and that was run by uh, Jerome Bassetti, king of the pimps, and um, he apparently had diamonds on his toes, like toe rings. <laughs> Can you imagine being the jeweler that makes the toe ring of Jerome Bassetti, which by that name is ridiculous, but Jerome Bassetti. Um, but I can't imagine, you know, making toe rings for the most notorious pimp in San Francisco. And, um, but yeah, he apparently wore them on his toes to bed, which I doubt he did much sleeping. He probably had really good, strong drugs. Um, so the city was a mess. Uh, there were the quality of life of San Franciscans was one of survivalist mayhem mixed with extravagance because a lot of people were cashing in their insurance policies. Um, They weren't able to build, rebuild their homes quite yet. And and they were very concerned that there was going to be another earthquake. And so they just spent extravagantly. These boutiques were popping up where you could buy a seal skin coat and, you know, have uh, your diamond toe ring made if you wanted, Um, but you couldn't get water water was water was more precious than gold you couldn't really walk outside of your house if you had one because if you're a woman you'd get raped straight up um or if you were a man you'd get mugged unless you shot the person first so that was the reality of of san francisco life um at the time just chaos chaos confusion poverty displacement and i'm so glad that we're here i'm so glad we're here now in san francisco and things have settled down a bit um there've been bubbles and quakes and speculations but we're all here and it's going to be a really great holiday i think on the, on the day Christmas Day is going to be really special. So I've got to get really get started on my day now. Um, I know the podcast went a little longer, but there's a lot to cover. And we'll dip into this more next week. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs>